Thanks for listening to Sex with Emily. On today's show, I'm joined by social researcher and best-selling author, Dr. Wednesday Martin, to talk about her book, Untrue. Because, hey, we've got a lot of unlearning to do. Topics include all the things you thought were true about female sexuality. Turns out there's a lot of misinformation. While we aren't necessarily meant or designed for monogamy, despite the narrative we've been told. Okay, so I've talked about the orgasm gap, but guess what? There's an everything gap. And if you're looking to open up your relationship, how do you do it correctly? All this and more. Thanks for listening. My fantasy product just came to life. I mean, I've been waiting for something like this with this quality to come out forever. And who better to have made this fantasy a reality than one of my favorite companies, we vibe. Oh, the suspense. Just tell them what it is. Okay, so it's the Moxie, and here's what it is. It's a tiny vibrator that you can secretly wear in your underwear and control with a remote or WeVibe's WeConnect app. Yes, a panty vibe. I mean, you could obviously still use it like a regular vibrator, which is the cool thing about toys and such, but it's quiet enough to use in public and it's super comfortable to wear, which, duh, like I don't want a panty vibe that's uncomfortable and loud. It's powerful. There's a magnet that keeps it in place so there's no like weird Velcro or anything. Like you just, boop, has a magnet on the other side of your underwear, keeps it in place. So wait, okay, let me set the scene for you. I'm out to dinner with a partner. I decide I'm going to wear it out that night. Already should be a movie scene. I'm imagining it, but sorry, continue. Exactly, okay. So my partner is going to set it off at random times throughout the night. Like maybe I get up to get a drink and he starts buzzing it. And then I have to try so hard not to be all like Harry Met Sally at the restaurant. Although my moans would totally be authentic. Anyway, my date could be across the table at the bar or even go back home. I mean, he could get on a plane and leave the country and still control it the entire time. That's the thing. Your partner can use it from anywhere. Oh, wow. What an interesting date that would be if he literally just to test it when left. He's like, I'm going to China. Can I still vibe you from China? I mean, he could. Oh, yeah, I don't care. I can still, I'm still getting off. You can vibe me from anywhere, babe. Okay, so I could also unpair him. Anyway, you guys have got to check out this. We have been so excited to tell you about it for months. You're going to love it. Go to sexwithemily.com slash wevibe. That's my site, sexwithemily.com slash W-E-V-I-B-E and check out the moxie for yourself. You got a boyfriend? Because uh, my man E here, he just got his heart broken. He thinks you're kind of cute. The girl's got to have her standards. Oh, my. Do women know about shrinkage? Isn't it common knowledge? What do you mean? Like laundry? It shrinks? Can we not talk about sex so much? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. I feel so good. Being bad feels pretty good. Well, you know, Emily's not the kind of girl you just play with. You're listening to Sex with Emily. We're talking about sex, relationships, and everything in between. For more information, go to sexwithemily.com. Check out our website because it's awesome. We got posts and blogs and everything on there to help you have better sex and relationships. We love when you comment, subscribe, wherever you listen to the podcast. iTunes is awesome. Or Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio. They're everywhere now. Oh, also, you can find me on SiriusXM Radio, Stars, Channel 109. I am there Monday through Friday, 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific. How great is that? You can just call in. You can ask questions. It's awesome. You can get a free 30-day trial at 
sexwithemily.com slash SXM. As always, follow me on all the social media. It's at Sex with Emily across the board. We always have great contests, especially this month, Masturbation Month, just a few days left to enter our contest. You could find more information about that on our site. All right, guys, I hope you enjoy the show. Enjoy the interview with Dr. Wednesday Martin. Really excited for my guest. Hello, Wednesday Martin. Hello, I'm the excited one. You Dr. Wednesday, really? Yes. Like, I'm more excited. I don't know if that's possible. But I worship at the altar of sex with Emily. No. Yes. That's how I feel about you. Of course. Like, Look what you're doing. Hmm. Getting you're, people to talk about sex. Yeah. Educating them in a fun way. Yeah, it is fun. And I love the way you do it, too, though, because you are, like, breaking down stereotypes, and you are actually doing the research that people need to hear. Like, because it's all the things that we know. So let me just tell you guys real quickly. She's a best-selling author. She's written a few books. Her most recent one is Untrue. And all my sex friends were like, have you read Untrue? Did you read Untrue? <gasps> really? Been, oh, yeah, like last year when it came out. Oh, great. I'm I was excited. Like, yeah. But I have to say that, like, I just, I read about you. I read it, and now I'm like, obsessed with it. I'm like halfway through and read all the studies on it and I know I've read all your other things. Aww. So the point is she's read her book. Oh, true. Because I can't lie and be like, I read the whole thing, but like I'm going to refinish it on the plane. <laughs> Do not tell a lie to a woman I who never wrote lied. a book called Untrue. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Dude, thank you. It's not going to end well. But let me tell you because people are <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. Okay, it's why nearly everything we believe about women, lust, and infidelity is wrong and how the new science can set us free we want to set people free right we do that's what we're gonna do tonight we are setting people free because you already are oh thank you and you guys just so you know you can find her at wednesday martin on twitter it's at wednesday martin phd and instagram and wednesdaymartin.com is your website yes and this right. will all be on our show notes if you go to sexlovey.com show notes we're gonna have the links to everything thank you your book, like you've debunked so many myths that my head is spinning. I wish when in my twenties, I was like you, mm. in the sense of I was going in relation to go in relationships, and I monogamy didn't suit me. Monogamy does not suit so many women, and there is some new thinking in anthropology and evolutionary biology that if one of the sexes evolved for promiscuity, it is there's a very good case to be made that it was women, but. Yes. Here we were in our 20s, right? And we would, I know what we did. We would get into a relationship. The sex would be great. The relationship part would be great. Everything would be fun. And then usually within one to three years, all of a sudden, bam, our libido went down, 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 down the mountain. And we thought, there's something wrong with me because this guy or this woman is so great I want it to be like it was before, though. I want the sex to be so hot. Guess I better find somebody else. Exactly. Do you know why that happened to us? Tell me why. Because nobody told us the truth. Right. We were fed a steady diet of lies about female sexuality, including that women are from monogamy and men are from promiscuity. Nothing could be further from the truth. We now have longitudinal study after longitudinal study showing us longitudinal studies from Germany, Finland, England, the United States, showing us that in the aggregate, women get bored faster than men do in a long-term relationship. Thank you! And that monogamy is a tighter shoe for women in the aggregate so tight. than it is for men. Such a tight are shoe. There it never felt right. There are exceptions. Of course. But 
In general, monogamy is harder for women than it is for men. And like I said, we have the longitudinal studies to show it. The studies show it, so then where did it go wrong? Like... I mean, I remember seeing this at 19. I said, having sex with one person just seems awfully boring. But I thought, oh, I'll change my mind. Eventually, I'll... No, never did. Just felt bad. Like, it was weird. And then trying to talk myself into people that I never longer... Because they're such a great guy. So why did we believe this to be true? I think that a lot of it got started in the latter half of the 19th century with Charles Darwin, um, who wrote uh, in his book about sexual selection and in, in his other book about natural selection that... Based on his observations, he asserted that females of most species were sexually coy and reticent and retiring, whereas males of most species were pugnacious and aggressive and more sexual, right? And then in 1948, this English geneticist named Angus Bateman did these studies of fruit flies, and he said, oh, guess what I found out? Uh, the males really benefit from mating multiply. They mate all over the place. Oh, their reproductive success goes up and up. But the females really only benefit from mating once. If they mate multiply, it doesn't really increase their reproductive success. Okay, Darwin laid the groundwork so that when Angus Bateman came up with this with these fucking fruit (laughs) flies, people were ready to generalize it to every other species, including humans. And they said, yeah, look, men, of course, they want to just spread their seed and shoot it all over the place. And women just want to be all choosy and coy with their costly little egg. Guess what? There are all kinds of benefits we found out after women became field scientists and studied what females of different species were doing, actually. And they said, um, these females of all these different species are really promiscuous. Many of them more promiscuous than the males, especially non-human female primates. So why are we still holding on to this narrative, right? So basically, I'm blaming a lot on Darwin, who is also a great hero. But um, we're we're, here. What we needed is, (laughs) he's not here. So we needed all these amazing female scientists to come in and to bring their own forms of empathy and curiosity to the sciences to improve them. And what these they, they all discovered is, hold on, females also benefit from mating multiply. Let's deal with female promiscuity in many species, including humans. And I'm not using the term promiscuity in a negative way, right. if it's even possible to take the negative yeah. out of that. Right. That word has a lot of sting, it doesn't does. it? It does. Or women who want to have multiple partners. Let's just say multiple consortships. Exactly. That's <laughs> that great. Whatever make you feel good. ring to we it. We don't want to offend anybody here, but is that kind of what drove you when you're saying women scientists? I mean, you and you're you are a doctor, anthropologist. What do you do? You've done so many things. Everything. I have a background in anthropology yeah. and primatology. I got my doctorate in cultural studies. Okay. I wrote about the history of anthropology and psychoanalysis, and I've been obsessed with female sexuality How have we not for met to 25 years. Right. I don't know. But I guess New York's a really big town. Yeah, it is. But I live in L.A. That's, and I was in San Francisco. That but explains now, it even better. But I feel like we just, I was like listening to your stuff, like screaming, running around, going, yes, yes. Because you're like, why don't, why were we fed this notion? So what do we do now? Because I feel like there are so many, like we we believe all the stuff that we've heard, that mm-hmm. women, their libidos, we just no mm-hmm. longer want sex, or that whole thing mm-hmm. about women are, women are, you know, don't want it, whether, and men are. Yeah. Here's what I like yeah. to say about that. When people say, how can it be that monogamy is harder for women? And a lot of times men or women will say to me, you know, my girlfriend um, is the one who's just not interested in sex. And it's really hard not to say, 
oh, she's interested in sex. She's just not interested in sex with you again and again and again and again without mixing it up a little bit because women need variety, variety and novelty and sexual adventure. Study after study in Untrue show us at least as much as men do and probably more. You know, we do exactly you yeah, got to keep it interesting and, and keep it hot. It's one of those things where the science, when you tell people the science, so many women say, oh, my God, wait, are you saying that I'm normal? Now, imagine yes. yeah, imagine if we shared it with people. <laughs> We're not telling couples you have to break up. We're not telling women you have to, you know, step out or open up your relationship. We're, doing it. We're just saying, let's get these facts to couples so that when women have the typical drop-off in years one to three, if they're having sex with the same person over and over, everybody's aware of it. And instead of the woman and the man or the woman and the woman saying to each other or the people saying to each other, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with our relationship. There's something wrong with my partner. They could instead say, oh, no, Emily's just a normal woman being a normal woman. We know this from the sex research. Let's not flip out. Let's figure out how to get her some variety and novelty and adventure. Maybe we remain monogamous. Maybe we don't. But there's so much new science now, and we just need to get it into people's hands. For example, I was just at STAR, the Society for Sex Therapy and Research annual conference in Toronto, Meredith Chivers, the amazing badass uh, sex researcher uh, from Canada, has recently been working on a way to measure female desire, which tends to be triggered or responsive desire rather than spontaneous desire. So we knew, thanks to Rosemary Basson, that female desire sometimes works a little differently from male desire. Let's talk about that. People Mm. talk about spontaneous and responsive. Yeah, so spontaneous desire. So important. (laughs) Guys, I hope you're listening to this because this is going to change your goddamn life. Well, we're going to try to make it not boring either. Well, that's what I love about you. You're so the least boring person on the planet and you're brilliant. Let's love it. Fun and like candy, right? Like, yeah. the, like the Let's cover of my book, Untrue. So, Untrue is the book, you guys. So, it's when amazing. male sex researchers were in charge of sex research, they measured sexual desire one way. You know that feeling when you're just sitting there and suddenly you want to have sex, like you want to have a hamburger? Oh, wow, look what's happening. That's called spontaneous desire. When we only measure spontaneous desire, men seem to have much stronger libidos than women. Along comes Rosemary Basson, a Canadian sex researcher. I like to say there's something in the water up there. And she goes, wait, I think there might be different kinds of desire, different desire styles. And she discovers that often women are experiencing what we might call triggered or responsive desire. They're not interested in sex. And then suddenly somebody touches their arm and they say, hmm, that's a good idea. Or maybe they start fooling around. Then suddenly they're interested. So this is called the circular model versus a linear model. Meredith Chivers is working on developing a way to measure triggered or responsive desire so that we're going to have a really good sense. We do know that when we consider triggered and responsive desire, not just spontaneous desire, and when we measure women's libidos at certain times, the difference between the male and female libido is negligible. This is a new thing. We need to tell women that. They they have sex. They have sexual desire and they 
they think they're freaks. Right. So we just did. We just so let's break it down. What break I always say down. to them, I say, I say, okay. So you know, like when you're, let's say your husband comes home and he sees you in the kitchen, or let's say he sees you in the kitchen and you're doing the dishes and he comes up behind you because you look so sexy there. Whatever you're doing, you're doing something because you have and such then a cute like, ass. Because you have a apron. cute ass, and he's like, oh, and I, that was so like the '50s housewife. I'm sorry, I, I can't fucking help it. I just did I'm that just example. Going I'm not going to correct it because you guys kinky. know what I mean. It could be kinky. It could role be kinky. Play. She was wearing like little French. She's not really going to clean because they have a housekeeper or he doesn't want to cleaning. But that was the hot thing that she. She was going to be the French maid. So she was wearing the French maid pretending to do dishes. No. But he came up behind her. And she was like, I wasn't ready yet. I didn't see you. But he saw her ass and got a boner. And she's like, right. what? I'm just sitting here doing the dishes. And I was still on my phone. I wasn't ready to role play yet, Bob. Right. Most men yeah. are more, typically, they have more of the spontaneous. They might. They might. We're thinking they, that. It's like when women became primatologists and they observed the behaviors of female bonobos and female chimps and female macaques. And they said, you guys, the males aren't just mounting these passive females. <laughs> the females are like orchestrating the whole thing. They're like, hey, come on over here. They're tapping the ground in a way that says like, let's do it right now. It took female researchers bringing those new forms of curiosity and even identification to go, wait, we need to look at the picture in a different way. They changed up primatology in the same way female sex researchers are changing up sex yeah. research by just, you know, bringing different forms of curiosity. Right, because so, it was all men studying other men. Yeah. Even with medic medications, we're realizing I mean, there's so many things that were yeah. just men were just being researched or being studied. That's right. So we need to find out we're so different. We're men and women the same. No, we're not the same. Right. So many and, ways. you know, and the really fascinating thing for me has been how many lies we've been told about. I mean, I... Let's talk about more, because your yeah. book is called Untrue. The whole yeah. thing is on lies. Yeah. What's some of your favorite lies? Oh, one of my favorite <laughs> lies was is that the female libido is a shrinking violet compared <sighs> to the male libido. Untrue. We just talked about that. Measure it the right way, people, and you will see that the difference so is... So there's negative. nothing wrong that with women feeling broken and feeling, I felt broken. Why can't I do monogamy and why can't yeah. I... You can't do monogamy because you're a normal woman being a normal woman. Thank if you. you. If you can do life. monogamy, yeah. you're also a normal woman being a normal woman. But stop with the lie that monogamy is easier for women and harder for men. The data blows it out of the water. Go on my Twitter or go on my website. Read my article, Women the Board Sex in the Atlantic, for people who are resistant women to this Women the Board idea. Sex. Hey, we're going to put that mm -hmm. on the show notes, too, right now. All yeah. things Wednesday, So Martin. there's tons and tons of data showing that monogamy is actually, in the aggregate, more difficult for women. Then we have the thing about the libido. Let's go to another <sighs> one. Yeah, yeah. I like to look at infidelity because I think it's like the sort of radical test case of how we feel about gender parity, right? We can say, oh, I believe women should get equal pay. Oh, I believe a woman should be president unless, you know, she really wants to do it and she's Hillary Clinton. Right. Or I believe, right. you know, I believe in gender equality. And then you show people a woman who is stepping out or who is openly refusing monogamy and people say, oh, no, not that. So infidelity sort of shows us how do people really feel when women sees a privilege that has historically in our culture belonged to men. So that's the reason that I'm so obsessed with infidelity. Right. It tells us so much about our feelings what, about gender. Right. One of the big lies has always been that women cheat for emotional reasons and men cheat for sexual reasons. Right, right. Now, one of my favorite things that I learned at Star was I looked at, I met one of my heroes, Sarah Hunter Murray. Okay. She did a study, one of the longitudinal studies I reference about how monogamy is harder for women. Yeah. But now she's working on this um, research about what she calls the ever, the myth of the ever ready male. This myth that men 
always want sex right. and that they when they're cheating or stepping out it's only for sex and they're always ready and they always want to go and she's saying wow when we profile men this way we're damaging men. Yeah, same yeah. expectation for men. We're like, well, I didn't want to go, and now I feel less like a That's man. That's right. So bad science about female sexuality yeah. is also bad for men. It's bad for all people. So this idea that women cheat for emotional reasons, when I wrote on True, I got to interview this great sex researcher. Everybody should know about her, Dr. Alicia Walker. And she did a big study on women using Ashley Madison. And guess how they felt about their marriages? How? They liked their marriages a lot. They just wanted some variety. They just wanted some variety and novelty. They liked everything about their marriages, except they weren't getting the sex they wanted. So they used infidelity, Dr. Walker says, as like a workaround strategy. They wanted to not blow up their marriages. They went on uh, Ashley Madison. Oh, they auditioned these guys. We can't get into it, but they, they they were pretty cold hearted. And anybody who reads about this study will see female sexuality is not what I thought it was. It's not the way it's been represented. And also, women certainly don't just cheat for emotional reasons. <laughs> we want plenty sex of times, too. Yeah, and plenty of men are cheating for emotional connections. So it's like Alicia Walker and Tammy Nelson uh, tell us, Dr. Tammy Nelson tells us, our motivations for refusing monogamy, men and women, are very, very similar. So those are some of my favorite those lies are, right. to just blow up. I love blowing it up because because so, what I hear too from friends who are like well like friends who are just going through divorce or they're breaking up with someone they're like well I every time I have sex with someone I just fall in love Emily I can't just I can't just date randomly and I I don't I feel like that's something that they've told themselves or they've they've been told over time I'm like no and mm. you could learn to not if you go out there just for your pleasure and you learn to other Listen, things if the whole world were telling women all the time you are such a dog you just like to go out there and hit on it. Like you would, you you'd hit that. You hit, you you'd hit anything because you're female. Eventually, that social script would get into your head, and it would give you permission if you wanted to do that to do it. Right. So this, you know, the the sort of gendered social script that monogamy is easier for women is affecting us on a very deep level. I also want to say, like, for some for some of us, monogamy is absolutely great, but. As you know, as a sex researcher, monogamy for an entire lifetime, true, actual sexual monogamy, does not conform to any model we have for how we habituate to a stimulus over time, to how we're desensitized. Yeah, like why would it work if every, we get so, bored with everything is what we're saying. We're habituated, right? Like literally, and especially after now our attention while, spans. that Diet Coke is just boring Everything. It is yeah. though. Yeah. If you had one every so, day or your house, you want to change your furniture after a while, like we get bored of everything. Why can't you can't swap out your mate so after 50 maybe, years? Maybe let's not fetishize monogamy and presume that women are the guardians of monogamy and it's our fault. And, you know, we're more invested in it. But hey, if monogamy works for you, that's awesome. It does, right. Here's the lesson of anthropology, which is the way I look at the world. We evolved as very flexible social and sexual strategists. We can thrive in polygamous relationships. We can thrive in polyandrous relationships, right, which is where women have more than one husband, which happens in Tibet and China, uh, and some places in India. Uh, We can, some of us are asexual. Uh, Some of us are, we identify as pansexual. Some of us, especially women, might be straight for a long time, and then all of a sudden we say, I'm in love with my best friend, and I'm in a like long-term, serious, committed, sexual, emotional relationship with her, and then we might change back again. All that 
through the lens of anthropology, through the lens of us being very flexible sexual strategists, all that is completely normal. So I just like to say to women struggling with monogamy, you are just a normal woman being a normal woman. I don't ever want to hear a woman say to me again, you don't want to talk to me about sex because I'm really unusual because I have a really strong libido. But that's what all the women in your book said. You that's said they, I was, all they, said. they all came to you. So you you interviewed tons of women. I did. I interviewed 30, uh, 31, 31 experts, okay. right, from all kinds of fields, from anthropology to primatology to psychology, sociology, medicine. And then I interviewed 30 women uh, between the ages um, of, I believe, 21 and 93, Um about infidelity. They all talked to me about it. And one of my favorite interviews was the 93-year-old woman who was one of the original Kinsey interviewees. I know. You just found her. She was like, oh, I did this. Mm-hmm. Wow. Through, through the grapevine. That's amazing. So, yeah, so she participated in uh, Kinsey's what original interviews What did you find then? What was your, I mean, I found, female. like, you, like, what were the, you said here, I've, you interviewed 30 non-monogamous women of various mm-hmm. ages, too. Mm-hmm. So yes. what, what did you, was there anything that you found yeah, with non-monogamy? I found, yes, well, first of all, the other thing I did is I reviewed over 200 studies about women and infidelity or infidelity and different species, females of different species. So that's how I write all my books. I do some field work. So I also went to like sex parties and I um, went to polyamory cocktail parties um, that my friend Misha Lynn from Open Love New York. I love you, Open Love New York. That's so fun. Um, Wait, Open Love New York. What's that? It's an open... So that's a support group for... And, and an educational resource for people who are interested in being polyamorous. And um, it was co-founded by Misha Lynn and a wonderful uh, woman named Chrissy um, is okay. the president of Open Love New York. If you are thinking about polyamory, are- if you're having a hard time with monogamy and you want support, if you want to play board games with some polyamorous people, yeah. if you want to go to a cocktail party with some polyamorous people, if you if want, works, or go to yep, a discussion group, they're a wonderful, I love Open Love New York. They're a wonderful resource Get some for more people. information about it because people, st- I think it's mm-hmm. getting better. I do feel like people are more open to the open relationships like people like I've mm-hmm. been doing this for 14 years talking to people and researching and I feel like at the beginning there people were like no way it could never work and I've noticed now in the last few years there's just a little bit more information and people are like well we're thinking about it even tonight we got a call we're thinking about opening up and it's it's definitely changed in the last three see, to five years see about how people are flexible they, sexual strategists yes they get are. bored and like we evolve to be like getting a little bored what can I do with it so when you change the cultural container Right. When you have shows like Wanderlust or Insecure, when you have people like Emily Morse talking (laughs) about non-monogamy, suddenly the brush fire starts. That's a bad analogy. No, but they get it. But suddenly you're changing the language that people have access to and the thinking they have access to. And then that flexible sexual and social strategizing kicks in and people say, huh. That's kind of interesting. Maybe I could. Of course, there's some people who are like, absolutely not. But can I say something? Yeah. Amy Moores did this fabulous study. Okay. Um, I love her. I want all these women. I want This is our Garmy, our girl army of these women. You need a Gar. You need to add Amy Moores to your Garmy. She is a sex researcher who's very interested in consensual non-monogamy, just like Terry Conley is. Okay. And has done great research. So Amy Moores did this study and she discovered that over a 10-year period, people's internet searches for terms like 
open relationship and consensual non-monogamy over basically the last 10 years increased exponentially. So I like to say that Americans are married to monogamy, but when it comes to our internet habits and our television viewing habits and our porn habits habits and our listening to Emily habits, (laughs) we are curious about our options. We are curious. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we come back more Wednesday, Martin. I want to tell you about one of the oldest and most trusting relationships in my life. It's probably the only one that's like never really let me down. I'm talking, of course, about the magic wand. I mean, the magic wand was a big part of my life, even before I started the show. And it's not going anywhere in my life or anyone else's. I mean, you want to know why? The magic wand has been delivering pleasure for 50 years. That's a long time. And it's still the best-selling massage wand in the world. I think it has something to do with all that power. I mean, they don't call it the Cadillac Vibrators for nothing. Whoa, it's a good one. And even though it's not easy to improve on something so timeless, they did it again with the latest version called the Magic Wand Plus, and it is awesome. So like the original, the Magic Wand Plus is a full-size plug-in massage wand. It features a soft silicone head, easy-to-use controls, and variable speed that lets you go from a low rumble to OMG with the push of a button. And if you don't have a Magic Wand in your life, trust me, you should. There are now three models to choose from, original, rechargeable, and the all-new Plus. You can see them all and get one for yourself at sexwithemily.com slash magicwand. That's my site, sexwithemily.com slash magicwand. CBD is literally everywhere nowadays. I mean, for pain, for sex, for anxiety. And I've been talking about it since the first few products started coming out because I truly believe in all of it. The thing is, though, just because it's everywhere does not mean it's all the same, which is why it's so important to know where it comes from and what you're getting. Okay, Emily, you're thinking, but where do I start? Well, I'll tell you, Veritas Farms. I'm so excited because I've been obsessed with their CBD gummies. I've been popping them in the office. Veritas Farms is a leading producer of full-spectrum CBD products you can trust. I mean it. I mean, they literally run their own farms in Colorado and control the entire manufacturing processes themselves, which is more than a lot of companies in any field can say. Veritas Farms makes CBD tinctures, capsules, moisturizers, lip balms, and a topical salve that you can actually find in national chains like CVS. I use it all the time for my back pain. I use it for all my pain. I use it for sleep. You guys, you're going to love it if you haven't tried it yet. Their products use organic ingredients and they aren't throwing any like too good to be true promises in your face. Just the facts about what you're actually buying. So to check out all of Veritas Farms full spectrum CBD products, go to sexwithemily.com slash Veritas. That's my site, sexwithemily.com slash V-E-R-I-T-A-S today. So what yeah. would you say is the thing that people misunderstand the most about non-monogamy, how it can work? People just think, nope, we can never do it. Shut down. I'm like, well. mm, You asked me what the people that I interviewed told me. Yeah. And one thing that those who were consensually non-monogamous said was that very counterintuitively, and experts said this as well, that the consensual non-monogamy improved their couple bond, like, hugely. So many women said to me, I love my girlfriend so much more because we agreed to have adventures and I never thought I could have sex with somebody in front of my girlfriend, a woman would say, but, um, uh, you know, 
we went there and we had to communicate yeah, so much better about it. it. Forces and then, them. and then it sort of made us like hot and new to each other. And I saw her in a new way, and she saw me in a new way. Okay. Really, before I wrote this book, it never would have occurred to me that having sex with someone other than your partner could improve your bond with your partner. Yeah. I have to say that was very counterintuitive to what for you me. thought before but you I started heard, untrue. I, yes, okay. But I heard it again and again from the yeah. people I interviewed, and I heard it from experts like David Lay, right. um, who works with people. Oh yeah, who I know are, David Lay. You know he was David? on the show years okay. ago. We should have David Lay on the show again. Yeah, he's really into he's hot wifing. He writes about hot wifing. Yeah, and cuckolding. And he writes cu- about cuckolding yeah, a lot. Cuckold lifestyle. People are more into cuckolding. Now that's a side note. Side we note. We have tons of calls about it. We can get it. back to that. Yeah. Um, but, but so <laughs> Put a pin in the cuckold. Yeah, experts like David Lay and Justin LaMiller and other um, sex researchers like Tammy Nelson um, all told me that their patients report that consensual non-monogamy and what they see among yeah, these what do they couples, see? They see that the couples become great communicators, and. They see that their couple bond is really strong and that they report higher levels of sexual satisfaction than people in monogamous relationships. And guess what? Guess who reports the lowest levels of jealousy? Probably non-monogamous people in... People in consensually non-monogamous relationships. So people in don't ask, don't tell relationships or monogamous relationships in one study reported the highest levels of jealousy. Whereas people in polyamorous relationships and swingers, I love swingers, (laughs) reported really low levels of jealousy and very high levels of sexual satisfaction. But okay, so that that makes sense to me. But could it also be because of the way they were raised that there's certain like things that could have happened that people were drawn towards that lifestyle? You know, I just heard a paper at Star about... um, personality type attachment style and how you will do with consensual non-monogamy based on your attachment style and it makes total sense right attachment is just the way you felt about your first primary caregiver the person who looked at you and you either saw from the look in their eye that you were enough as you were or you saw like the person saying I might leave the room and never come back and that's like the age of four before the age of four right yeah it's when you're really little so your parents can do this at a young age so people might want to dig into some of the research about attachment style and consensual non-monogamy. We know that people who have an anxious attachment style, it makes sense that consensual non-monogamy might make them that makes sense pretty too. anxious. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but, oh. Okay, mm-hmm. sorry. I was going to yeah. get excited. I'm avoidant. Oh, you're avoidant. I do believe that one of the, there are several different avoidant <laughs> attachment styles, and one of them did okay with consensual non-monogamy. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah. I think it's very interesting to look at that. But also, so what about the people listening now are going, yeah, Emily, whatever, but I'm in this. I, that's crazy talk. I'm monogamous, but I just, I want to have sex with my partner again, and I don't want to. It's been 20 years, and our, we've been together yeah. for 20 years, and yep. my partner does, it's usually man or woman, what, man, yeah. woman, whatever. Someone doesn't yeah. want it anymore. Okay, first of all, you're a normal person being a normal, normal. person. It doesn't Fine. mean that you don't love your partner. It doesn't mean that you're not in a great partnership. It means you're sexually bored, and that's not a referendum on you. Or your relationship or your your partner. partner. Yes. It's just not. So knowing that and then finding another way. Maybe you don't want to have sex with other people. Okay. So watch porn and pretend your partner's another person. Go watch some people. You don't have to do it. Go watch people in real life having sex together. You can pay people for stuff. You can though, You can also just go to a sex party and enjoy it for free. You don't have to do anything. I know this sounds boring, but lingerie can be super fun. No. Um, You know what? 
Do you remember Marta Miana, the sex researcher? Familiar. Okay, she wrote a great dynamite paper. She's at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, which I'm always like, that must be a really fun yeah. place to be. A sex oh, we both went. Okay, I say we both went to the same school. Oh, we went to. We're from Michigan, both yeah. of us, and went to Michigan. Not to cut you off. No, that's okay. I be- I believe <laughs> I Amy Moore's was or okay. is at Michigan, and so was Sari Van Anders, who recently left. But the University of Michigan has some great yeah. sex researchers. But okay, so Marta uh, Vegas, Mia- Las Vegas. Okay, so Marta Miana wrote this really funny paper called "It's Not You, It's Me." Because here's what she did: she did a study. She said, "Wow, women are getting sexually bored. What turns them on?" She did a great study called "Why Did Desire Wane." Look it up if you're a woman and you're. We can put it in the show notes too. Yeah, okay. Why did why did passion wane? Okay. This other study called "It's Not You, It's Me." She's been talking to all Story these women life. about how monogamy is killing them. They love their husbands, but they're just not turned on. And then she's noticing that female sexuality has this kind of autonomous quality to it that she hadn't really thought about before. She said, "Wait a second. Let me follow up on this." She says to the women, "Listen." She says to the women. If you were having sex with your partner in front of a mirror, how much of the time would you be looking at yourself? And how much of the time would you be looking at your partner? And the men are like, what are you talking about? I'd be looking at my partner. And she said to the women, same question. How much of the time would you be looking in the mirror? And how much of the time would you be looking at your partner? And the women were like, I'd be looking in the mirror like a lot. Yeah. Like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot myself yeah. so she said let me dig into this a little further like a good sex researcher and so then she asked them you guys to the men would you have sex with yourself and the men said i'm sorry what they just really didn't understand what she was saying and she asked the women would you have sex with yourself and a lot of them said oh hell yes <laughs> and Marta Miana said, as if they already had. Yeah. So there's this quality of female sexuality that we need to dig into a little bit more that women are really getting off on watching themselves have sex. Who knows why, but buy a mirror if you're bored. <laughs> it's it so could true. Be awesome. We always talk, put a mirror in the bedroom. Take yes. a look. And now One we thing. have we, now we have the research back. Look at your vulva up. too, as long as you're doing it. Put a mirror up to that. People women don't often look at themselves. Yeah, not often enough. No, but put a mirror when you're having sex. It is so hot. Oh my god. I agree with you. Wait, now okay. I have something to do tonight. I was wondering. There you I was go. just there gonna you like go, go home in the mirror. <laughs> it's just gonna go watch Veep. Now I'm gonna like <laughs> Totally. I love that. I am too. I'm in a hotel room. We've got lots of great mirrors in our hotel. Yes. The one in the shower. I have a suite. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to go have sex with myself tonight. Very excited. It's great. I didn't even, I'm so inspired. It's a great thing to do. Hey, do you have a squish yet? I swear they don't pay me to do this. No, what's a squish? But that's okay. Unbound Babes has this new toy called the squish. Oh, I've heard about it. We love Unbound. You you know how you're always using a sex toy and when they're hard? And you're like, why do I have this hard thing in my hand? The squish is soft. Okay. And it's also got, it's a smart toy, so it remembers what you like. And also, the harder you push it, the more it vibrates. And then if you let up on it, it vibrates less. It's so intuitive. It's like the iPhone of sex toys. Okay, so I went to STAR, the Society for Sex Therapy and Research I'm having such FOMO. You're coming next year. We're going to be roommates. Okay, yeah. All right, so Lori Mintz, (laughs) who I love, who wrote Becoming Clitorate. She's wonderful. She wrote a book called Becoming Clitorate about the orgasm gap. And then after she spoke, Debbie Herbenick, who is a Kinsey fellow and a sex researcher, 
reported some findings from a 10-year representative sample study of thousands of Americans. And Debbie Herbenick said, it's really important that we deal with the orgasm gap. I want to talk to you guys about something called the everything gap. And everybody went, what is this going to be about? So the everything gap basically shows that when it comes to sexuality, there is a very wide difference between male and female experience. Let me tell you some of the facts from the everything gap. Women were twice as likely to have sex when they wanted it only a little bit yeah. or not at all with a guy. Yeah. Okay? Listen like, might to, as well finish. Yeah. yeah. Listen yeah. to this one. Um, women were more than three times as likely as men to have had sex that was not at all pleasurable. That's really upsetting. Yeah. Okay, what about this? Who was more likely to have sex that was not at all arousing? Women were like 15 times more likely to do that. 15. Yeah, and then how about this one? Painful sex. Okay, women were like 20 times more likely to have had painful sex. I'm sorry, I don't have my glasses on. If I don't get this exactly right, it's on my Twitter feed. And what about this? have had scary sex. 12% of men, 21% of women. That sounds close, right? Yeah. How did men describe, how did women describe scary sex? That somebody choked me, that somebody threatened to kill me, that somebody raped me. That's how women described that they had had a scary sexual experience, 21% of them, or an assault. Men, 12% said they had a scary experience. How did they describe a scary experience? For men, a scary experience was a woman was going down on me and Suddenly, I thought that maybe she had had sex with a friend of mine the day before, right? Or um, I was afraid that I broke the condom. So there was a big gap between how men and women describe scary experiences and how. So we have this everything. everything. It's the orgasm gap is the tip of the iceberg. We have an everything gap in our culture when it comes to sex between men and women. And we have to close the everything gap as well as the orgasm gap. And, you know, one of the reasons we have an everything gap is we we fetishize for heterosexuals. We fetishize intercourse. Why do we fetishize intercourse? I don't know. Because it's it's what gets men off. Look how men masturbate. They go like this. Right, up and down, up and down. I'm doing this with my finger for the viewers on the radio who can't see me. I'm fucking my... She's right. right, It's like she's doing that thing when you look at your sex. Okay, for men, intercourse is exactly like how they jerk off. How do women get off? From clitoral stimulation, right? right? So we're fed, when we fetishize intercourse as sex, and most of us think of sex as intercourse, right. except the people that you've educated, right. we're fetishizing male pleasure. Until we become obsessed with female pleasure, until we care about it and value about it as much as we value male pleasure, women are going to be having painful sex. Women are going to be having scary sex. Women are going to be having sex that they're not as interested in happen, having. Um, so the everything gap just speaks to this enormous chasm uh, in experience and how we are just valuing male pleasure so much more than we're uh, that's valuing it. Like female every, pleasure. Because every night I'm teaching someone, no, 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 it's okay that you can't orgasm during intercourse. Most women can't. And yeah. Every night there's someone who's like, oh, I didn't know that. I mean, all ages, all... 
So a lot of women think that, and we know that it's a minority of women, right, who can minority. come from intercourse alone. And if you're coming from intercourse, probably it's because you're one of those women who doesn't have a distal clitoris, right? What's you just di- happen to be, oh, listen to this. Here's a rule of thumb, literally. Okay. If the distance. <laughs> well, we are the distance from the, yeah. If the distance is less than the width of your thumb, you are likely to come. If the, the distance, distance from what? the glands the, of your clitoris right. to your vagina is less than the width of your thumb, then you're likely to come from intercourse. Most women, that's Marie Bonaparte. Okay, yeah, she did that's that study. brilliant. Yeah, and, brilliant. Then, and then later um, a primatologist yeah, uh, anatomy. redid like, the study. Right. Um, so if the distance is less than the width of your thumb, you are one of those very, very lucky women who can have an orgasm from intercourse, but it's just because your clitoris is close to your vagina. That's it. By the way, it tends to be petite, small-breasted women, I'm just saying. Most of us, though, cannot have an orgasm. Is from it really petite, alone. small-breasted women? Because yes, that's me, is. and that's not where my clitoris is. Uh, okay, I don't, don't think worry but about I'm literally going to go back and measure you. Well, I've never, but I should. <sighs> your, I your boyfriend or husband or girlfriend might be like, "Why is there a tape measure here? What are you measuring?" <laughs> they wouldn't be surprised. If they come into my bedroom. Whoever comes in, they don't know what the hell they're going to find. That's what happened to the author of Bonk. I can't remember. Oh, her right. name right oh, now. oh, Mary, Mary from Mary San Francisco. Roach, one of She's the funniest amazing. pieces of sex I love writing Mary ever. Roach. It's amazing. Like, yeah, she writes about how she learned about Kim Whalen and Elizabeth Lloyd's research about the distal clitoris and so she decided to measure the distance and her husband came in and saw the tape measure and said what are we doing? Right. What's going on here, babe? <laughs> right. Going on here? Well, which is so amazing. So most yeah. women cannot have an orgasm from intercourse, but we keep telling them that, and it's not like we tell them explicitly, intercourse is the shit. Nope, it's all we, we see. It's all we see. We Why? Who's making porn? Men. It's so men if from the we had more women making porn. I love Erica Lust. Is there any I other site that I don't, Erica is there anything Lust. I don't know about? Because that's all I, I mean, talk about. I love Cindy Gallup's work. Oh, I love Cindy Gallup, she Make really, Love Not Porn. Yeah, She's she amazing. Really wants to do that too. And Erica Lust. But look, we used to have Candida Royale, yes, right? Yes, I know. And we, I love Candida. Yeah, we need, a, we need a female porn revolution. I, I'm, right? I get so inspired. That'll fuel the female pleasure revolution. Well, that's I'm what convinced. we need because we're saying, how do we get back to... Um, to female pleasure. We have to go in a minute. I know you have two sons. I do. And so I just want to say, are you starting the revolution with them? Are you talking yes. about female pleasure? Boy, have they seen the, <laughs> I can imagine. The, mo- the 3D model of the internal female clitoris. They know exactly what it is. They can tell their friends. They say, I say do you know what? This- yes, mom. It's the internal clitoris. <laughs> it's the- I love that. So I'm just trying to. Do it in schools. Yeah. And then sometimes they'll say, is there anything you want to talk about? And they say, no. No, not at all. But I just keep, keep try to keep, keep the conversation going. Right. I offer to my seventeen-year-old all the time, like, "Honey, maybe I could come to your boarding school and give a talk about female sexuality." And yep. wow, then he just behaves so well. <laughs> he does. Do you not want mom to want show up that. with a three D clitoris? Do you- <laughs> Don't make you don't do. make me bring my clit to your school. <laughs> I got a vulva puppet in one hand. Got a, I got the three D clitoris, and I'm coming in unless oh, you do the dishes. You are a teenager's nightmare. I, pa- parenting with Emily. I can't even imagine. Oh my God, Wednesday Martin, you are such a dream. You're a delight. You you're, are. You're brilliant. All the work you're doing, untrue. Check out her book, Wednesday Martin. We're gonna put all this in the show notes, and it's uh, WednesdayMartin.com. Anything else you want? 
to them to find you. We'll, no, I just want women to find their clitoris and show everybody where it is. <laughs> we are. We're doing a good it. fight. So are you. Thank you so much Thank for being you, here. Thank you, for everything you do and it's for having awesome. me. It was Thank great. Thank you. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show. I did. Thanks, everyone, for for supporting the show and telling your friends and letting them know how the show has helped you and for emailing us and just for staying connected. Um, I appreciate you so much. And thanks to my amazing team, Ken, Kristen, Michelle, producer, Jamie, and Michael. Was it good for you? Email me, feedback at sexwithemily.com. So how often has this happened to you? You just got done with a sweaty, hot round of sex and now you gotta clean up. So what do you use? Like, where do you go? Especially if it's really messy, drippy. I mean, you know what happens. Well, that's where freshies come in. So my good friends, Lauren, Michael, and Weston at Woo More Play, you know them. I've been telling you about their coconut love oil for months because I'm obsessed with it. Well, they created freshies. They're all natural, pre-moistened towelettes made with organic ingredients like aloe vera extract, cranberry, vanilla water, and coconut water. And of course, they're pH balanced, free of alcohol, parabens, dyes, and they're hypoallergenic. So you're also going to love the packaging. I mean, Freshies wipes are individually wrapped and come in a little package that look like an old school cigarette box with a flip top. It's just so cool. Each box has 10 wipes that you can keep in your purse, your car, your gym bag, wherever. And the directions on the box are everything. It just says directions. If you have to ask, you probably don't have a vagina. Brilliant. Trust me, you want these. To find freshies from Woo More Play, just go to sexwithemily.com slash woo. That's my site, sexwithemily.com slash W-O-O and use code Emily for a special discount. Get dirty, get clean, and repeat. I am so excited to let you know you can now hear Sex with Emily live five days a week on Sirius XM Radio. You'll find me in Stars Channel 109, Monday through Friday at 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. But don't worry, the podcast is staying right here. My brand new radio show will have everything you love about Sex with Emily and more. Because every day I'll be interviewing guests, sharing the latest news, and my favorite part, taking your calls live on the air two hours every weekday. If you're a SiriusXM subscriber, you already know how great it is. If you never tried it, get a free trial for 30 days. Just go to sexwithemily.com slash SXM. That's sexwithemily.com slash SXM today to try SiriusXM for yourself. See you there.